computer one is your favorite? Yeah. There is absolutely nothing wrong with my computer. <laughs> Barbecue one is my favorite. Yeah. Welcome to episode 59 of Imperial Hearts. Imperial Hearts is a Star Wars podcast hosted by your friends Jamie and Dana. And uh, we're going to talk about all kinds of Star Wars stuff for you today. That's right. This morning we went out to have a grocery party. We did. We went to TNT and bought a bunch of dim sum and mm-hmm. pork buns. Mm-hmm. And now we're ready to podcast. We also had a Clone Wars party. Watched some Clone Wars. Yeah. And uh, we read some Screaming cl- Citadel. Yep. And now we're going to tell you all about it. Clone Wars, Screaming Citadel, Rebel Rising. Mm-hmm. We don't have anything else for this week, do we? Just news. News. Yeah. So bunch of Star Wars stuff for this week. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to start? With the news, I guess? Yeah, let's start with the news. So there were a couple of announcements this week. Whoa. There were two comics announcements, Marvel comics announcements, because that's a Cause they gift c- that keeps on giving, apparently, Just for like Marvel. Just like the Sith, they come in twos. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I assume the Star Wars Marvel comics are doing well, because they keep making them. <laughs> They keep making, like, more and more obscure spinoffs. Yeah. Like the one you're probably just going to talk about right yeah. now. So uh, the two miniseries that were announced this week were Cassian meeting K2 for the first time. Cassian and K2 one-shot, which... excited about. Are you? I am. I want to see that story. I like K2, and I like Cassian. Okay. And, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll buy in. I'll buy it. Okay. I'll bite. And the second one is a Mace Windu one shot um, set right at the beginning of Clone Wars. I think that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I wonder what that's going to be about. Yeah. Um, The subtitle of that one is Jedi of the Republic. So you know it's like a setup for like a whole thing where they just go through like a bunch of random Jedi. Oh, like they do a series like. Yeah, I bet. So it's like like Star Wars, Jedi of the Republic, Mace Windu. Right. So. Like Keanu Mundi. Yeah. Jedi of the Republic. Yeah. I see. It'll be like Star Wars, Jedi of the Republic, Plo Koon, and like Shakti and Ayla Sakura and Evan PL. <laughs> I'm kind of down for that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of those characters who are somewhat explored in the Clone Wars TV show. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's that's not my favorite era of Star Wars, so I'll, I'll probably read it anyway. But, like... That's kind of enough just watching Clone Wars for you. Uh, like, how, how, much, how much more Clone Wars do they think I need? I don't know. They think I need a lot, well, I guess. Well, most people watch the Clone Wars when it was out. Yeah, so that it would be, like, a long time ago for them. We're doing, like, True. Clone Wars Summer School. True. Where it's like we're we didn't get it the first time. <laughs> we flunked out of Clone <laughs> Wars school the first time by not watching it. It's doomed to watch it all summer. Oh yeah, it's true. I hear it's going off Netflix in a couple weeks. Um well then I guess we better hurry. <laughs> yeah. I think we're gonna have to end up buying the Blu ray or something. That's true, I wonder yeah. Yeah, well, not that expensive. Really? I, I think the 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 full box set I saw for like fifty or sixty dollars. Hmm, that's not bad. It's not. Yeah, I was considering getting it. Yeah, well, 
If it goes off Netflix, we'll have to because we now now we're committed to watching the rest of Clone Wars before season four of Rebels. That's right, and we pay for media. Yes, most yep. of the time we try. We try we when try. we when it's available, we'll pay yeah. for it. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, those were some comics news uh, that I'm. That was a pretty, interested in. Pretty good news. Did mm-hmm. you did you hear about that Battlefront news? That Battlefront news, though. Okay. <laughs> So, what was that Battlefront news? Well, you know, because we just watched it. I know. <laughs> I'm pretending. Um, so, uh, it was just a little a little trailer about Aiden Versio. Mm-hmm. And we learned that she comes from a family of Imperials. Her father is an Imperial Admiral. Oh, right. That's what, I, that's what they said. Yeah, pretty cool. And that was about it. There wasn't much else in that new trailer. Yeah, they had just chatting sort of setting up where the developers of the game were talking about pitching the idea of an imperial protagonist to yeah how they wanted it to be like more three-dimensional like Mm -hmm. see more yeah see somebody who who might believe in the good of the empire and it seemed like they also said like they were also implying it wasn't just her that that it was like other protagonists who were Hmm. Because they were talking about stormtroopers and other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah they were so, not just faceless stormtrooper. Yeah, people. so I think it wasn't. Maybe, maybe there'll be more characters than just Iden that we'll get to see. Yeah, and if it's a single player campaign, then probably she'll interact with a bunch of NPCs, and we'll have like yeah, I'm sure some there'll be secondary storm, stormy friends and stuff. Yeah. Um, what else was I going to say? Battlefront 2. Battlefront. And uh, since we talked to you last, uh, listeners, I we did buy our jointly adopted PS4. We adopted a PS4. We did. So I played a little bit of Battlefront. I tried to play last Sunday night. <laughs> okay, so is adopting, is, ad- is buying to, like, is adopting, like, the same as getting a refurbished one? That's what I was kind of thinking. Like, like we got a you res- bought you bought yeah. it new. It's like you, you bought it. You you bought it. Yeah, yeah. But like we bought a recycled one, so it was like one that had been abandoned yeah. at the pound. Yeah, it's like adopting it rather yeah. rather than like getting a puppy. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Good. We adopted a PS4 from the pound. It had been abandoned by its previous owners, and um, we can take care of it. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I, so I I was trying to play some Battlefront last Sunday. And mm-hmm. I get maybe Sunday night is not a time for the people who still play Battlefront because of course this game is not new anymore. So probably a lot of people who used to play Battlefront are playing other things now. I think it's still pretty popular. There were four of us. Oh. In the game. Oh. And like so, everyone in, else was NPCs. In the world. In the world, yeah. There were three rebels and one imperial, and then everyone else was NPCs. There wasn't more than the four people playing the game. Well, they were like in other modes and stuff. Oh, okay. But in this battle, in this match that I played a couple times, there were four human beings. It's like a twenty, like it's a twenty-person instance, <laughs> like ten v ten, and then the rest is NPCs. But in this case, there were only four. That's pretty sad. It was pretty sad. So, I mean, I got a lot of, I shot down a lot of NPC planes, spaceships, because well done. It's easier to hit the NPCs than it is to hit the other humans, but yeah, it was uh, a little disappointing. So I guess that's not a good time to play Battlefront. I guess not. Yeah, but uh, we're all set up now for Battlefront 2. Any other Star Wars content mm-hmm. that comes out on the PS4, mm-hmm. if there's any? 
I don't think so, but there might be. Yeah, there's room. There's still those rumors of like a Bioware RPG, like a like a another Kotor kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. E three is coming up, so yeah, E three is coming up. We'll have to do a little report because I'm sure there'll be Star Wars seventy three. Yeah, I mean they might talk even more about Battlefront. I'm okay. sure they will. So here's the thing. I was also thinking about. So the Battlefront has a VR mission. It's like one VR mission. Yeah. For like an X-Wing Rogue One VR mission, which sounds awesome. It's the space one too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's in space. And I really want to play it. But like PlayStation VR headsets are still like $400. What? Yeah. And it's like if a VR headset was $100, maybe I'll get it. Like, like what else do you use a VR headset for? Well, just like playing VR games. So it's like we haven't hit that sort of consumer tipping point yet where there's enough content to make um, people want to buy headsets. And then there aren't enough people buying headsets, so the technology still hasn't come down in price yet. And like only early adopters are getting it. Jeez. And I mean, working in the games industry, I have probably more opportunity than most people to actually yeah, I can't interact with VR. Like I've, I've played some games in VR just by virtue of being around, but, um, yeah, it's, it's too early yet. So I'm disappointed that I'm probably never going to get to play this mission because, uh, I will not own a VR headset until there's the critical mass of people buying VR headsets, but you'll get there. I will get there, and I thought I think that's a really cool use for it. That sort of immersive, um, like especially in that Star Wars kind of cockpit have view. You, have you heard about the dating games? Like VR dating games? I don't think so. Apparently, that's one of the most interesting uses that hmm. there is. It's hmm. like live action dating games. Live action dating games. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. It's like you're really there. Weird. Huh. I don't know enough to actually report in on it, but I've heard about those. Hmm. Yeah. Mostly like coming out of Japan. Right. I wonder. Yeah. I mean, you can still get like a, you can get a Google Cardboard for $20, but you use it with your phone. So you can't yeah, like. Yeah, I know about Google Cardboard. Yeah. So you can't play um, PlayStation with a Google Cardboard. So, is this a gaming podcast? It was related to Star Wars. I want to be an X Wing pilot in VR. I know, I'm just and joking. I can't. So, is anything happening on the other Star Wars fronts, like Battlefront or what's the one on the phone called? Force Arena. Force Arena? No, no new Force Arena stuff this week. Okay. I guess there was like. You know, I was looking at the news sites with all these, like, random Last Jedi rumors and stuff. We don't really report on that many Last Jedi rumors here. We don't acknowledge rumors. <laughs> um, were, were there any? Well, they just, like, you know how people uh, at Making Star Wars get, like, a lot of scoops where people are taking photos of... Hot scoops. Uh, hot scoops. Uh, taking photos of the set and stuff. I guess there's, like, race horses that aren't horses, alien horses, and, like, a, a horse race. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and, like, Luke has an orange backpack. That kind of stuff. <laughs> what? It's true. I saw it on the internet. 
This is the news. This is the like hot. This is the hot news when it's a slow news week. We get scoops about Luke, Luke. having an orange backpack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's I shouldn't laugh. I, I bet there's a whole there's a whole segment of people who are just taking everything they can get. Like, about well, Last what does Jedi. this imply about Luke's backstory if he has an orange backpack? Yeah. Is it made from his jumper? Maybe. Maybe he made it himself. He had all this time. Maybe. It's like a commemorative backpack that he made from his old X-Wing jumper. Yeah. <laughs> They're not called jumpers, are they? Yeah. Well, like a flight jumper, flight suit. Yeah. His X-Wing. Yeah, that, that's funny. Makes sense that they would coordinate it. Do you have any other news? Um, not really. I'm sorry. It's fine. There was a new actor announced for the Han Solo film, but I don't really care. I also don't really care. I will um, see it when it gets there, like once they start. I'm like, like not hyped about this Han Solo business. No, no, no. If it wasn't obvious. Yeah, well, not, yeah, neither of us are. But we'll still see it because it's Star Wars. When does it come out next summer? Uh, I thought next Christmas, like oh. Rogue One. Okay. But... The Last Jedi, or not The Last Jedi, sorry, Episode Nine is still slated to come out in summer 2019. Mm. So, a year and a half. <clears throat> Excuse Interesting. me. Yeah, because I remember when Episode Eight was also supposed to come out this summer. They're just and giving they pushed it back. A bit of a buffer. Yeah. Maybe. No new announcements of the next anthology film, though. Even though. Uh, yeah. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, that's actually kind of interesting that we haven't heard anything about that yet. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of ex- I was kind of expecting there would be. Do you think they're actually going to keep up with like a Star Wars film every year? I don't know. Do you think it's possible? I mean, I think it's possible if they keep making all the money they're making. It still seems to. It's so like, it's so hard to imagine, but I guess it's possible, right? So it's like 2017. Last Jedi, 2018, Han Solo, 2019, Episode 9, and then... Boba Fett. I thought there were, you know, we had those rumors that the Boba Fett movie might have been cancelled, or like, they might be doing something else. Obi-Wan. Yeah. And that's 2020, so that's still like three years from now, so they could... 2020, wow, that's nuts. Yeah, I know. And then like, will they announce another sequel trilogy... Or will they just make anthology films for a couple of years before doing episode 10? Oh, yeah, I wonder. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like they should just make episode 10. I think they should just keep making them. Yeah, I wonder. If they're going to, I would rather see main, I would rather them, like, keep the main story going mm-hmm. than, than see, like, more anthology films. I think it would be kind of cool, like, there's so many characters now that I want to see some of them in live action. So, like, making anthology films. Movie. Yeah, making anthology films to sort of bring that expanded canon back into the sort of mainstream film canon, I think would be kind of cool. That's something we really want to talk about when we get to our book. Yeah. Our book topic later this yeah. podcast. Cool. So, do you want to talk about Screaming Citadel at number two? I do, actually. Okay. We, so, we read it this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and the artist was salvador la roca yeah classic vader artist yeah classic kieran gillen salvador la roca 
a team up. Unfortunately, this one was not written by Kieran Gillen. It was by Jason Aaron, who I guess writes for the Star Wars. Did Kieran Gillen write the first issue? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. thought so. Because yeah. I, I think it was his pitch, or well, I guess Aphra is his character, so. Yeah. Um, and so here's the bullshit about Screaming Citadel number two. <laughs> Uh, we've complained about this before. I'm going to complain about it again. So Screaming Citadel issue two is Star Wars issue 31. It's like Vader down. Yeah. So there was the standalone issue. And then if you want to read the next one, you get Star Wars issue 31. And then the next... Afra number seven. Yeah, Afra number seven. So, and And then... then, Back to Star Wars 32. Okay. Probably. Yeah, and then... Who knows? Like, there's only five issues of Screaming Citadel, so I guess it'd be two and two. It's a crossover event. Yeah. I, I hear these are pretty common in, in Marvel Comics. Yeah, and they did that with Vader Down, and it was super confusing and dumb. And uh, and then after, they'll come out with the trade that collects them all. Um, yeah. But if you're trying to read issue by issue, it's all over the place. And. This is why I just buy the hardcovers afterwards. I know. And, like, because it's going to end up being, like, I buy all the issues on Comixology. Yeah, and that's where you read them on Comixology. Yeah, and then you can get the nice hardcovers afterwards, and I don't want to buy them again because I felt like I've already bought them. I know. <laughs> Ugh. Have I talked about how nice the hardcover of Vader is on the podcast yet? I don't think so. It's so... Have I showed you how nice it yeah. is? It's yeah. It's really nice. So, yeah, Dana was gifted a copy of the first Darth Vader hardcover. Yes. Which is how many? The first it's two trades? It's two trades. Cool. But the second one has Vader down in it. Oh, so cool. So the, the second one is Vader down plus the next two trades. Cool. Is it? Is that the end then? Yeah. Cool. So there's only two trades of Darth Vader. Recently, they also... Marvel also released a boxed set of all of the hardcovers. Whoa. And they're like, they're different versions of the hardcovers. They're like, uh, I forget what they call them, but, and it's like all of the, I was thinking about getting it. Mm -hmm. It's like $300. Whoa. And it's like the first Vader hardcover, the first Star Wars hardcover, Mm -hmm. um, a hardcover of all of the movie adaptations. Okay. Okay. Um, that's why I didn't buy it. Right. Because it's mostly movie adaptations. Right. Um, and then there was one that was Heroes for a New Hope. Is that what it's called? The one that collects Leia, Lando, and Chewie. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that one, they did, they did that as a hardcover. Cool. Um, but yeah, it's a really nice set. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's really sexy looking. That copy of Darth Vader that you have is really nice. Did you also know that that it comes? I was like doing some research on the hardcovers, and there's alternate covers for them, like but, for the hardcovers. Yeah, that's cool. Like you know, like comics sometimes mm-hmm. they have the variant covers. Mm-hmm. Well, so do the hardcovers. Neat. And it's like one in twenty-five or something. Whoa! So like the store gets a box of them, and there's like one of the variants in the box. Whoa! It's like Chase hardcover. <laughs> I guess that's how comics work. I don't huh. know. I don't know much about comics. Yeah. Some of the variant covers are really cool. Yeah. Agreed. Um, but I'll probably eventually pick up Vader Volume 2 hardcover. Mm-hmm. They're really nice. And I might actually pick up the Star Wars ones, too. Because mm. I, I think I like I liked the Star Wars comics. Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. 
Yeah, enough to get the hardcovers. Cool. If I see them for a good price. So Screaming Citadel. Yes. So the actual content of Screaming Citadel. Um, it's super weird to have the artist switch. Yeah. Um, where, like, Afra's Asian again. Yeah. And it's like, she looks completely different in this comic. She does. And, uh, I mean, I've heard some complaints about Salvador LaRocca's art because he does do a lot of um, heavy, heavy referencing. I was going to say, like, it's a little weird. The characters do seem to change a lot from mm-hmm. panel to panel sometimes, but I I don't mind it overall. Like, And I, I really appreciate that he knows what to do with Afra. Because I think that's, like, a real downfall of some of the other well, artists. Isn't he, like, the first Afro? Yeah, yeah, he was the first Afro artist, so he... He kind of designed her. Mm-hmm. So I, like, appreciate how she looks in this comic. And there's some really cute panels of her, like, eating where she's got, like, big chipmunk cheeks and stuff. It's really cute. Um, and basically Luke and Afra continue their... They have breakfast with <laughs> this comic's evil about, queen. This comic is about breakfast with a vampire. It is. And then uh, Han, Leia, and Santa try and track them down. Yeah, not a lot happens in this comic. But uh, I read... Um, so I, I read an article talking about this, it, this issue and last issue. And I don't really go online to like find out what the greater Star Wars sort of regular fandom thinks about uh, these things. Like, I don't read the comments, basically. No. But, so I was watching this, um, I was reading this article, and the author was talking about how, or the author of the article, sorry, was talking about how um, they knew, based on your comments from, like, the audience comments from Screamy Citadel number one that this was going to be a very divisive Star Wars comic and that some people Wait, like hate it. What? Why? Because of the genre, I guess. Of oh, the they're... horror stuff? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People were like weird. not into the horror. Um, what? That's so weird. Yeah. And and so the writer was saying like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty into it. Like I can dig Star Wars and horror. Uh, and I was like, yeah, no, that seems awesome. Like, I love that idea. Um, but I guess it wasn't universally popular. Also, there's, like, a contingent of people who don't like Afra because she's a original kid. You know, she's an, uh, she's somebody's, an OC. somebody's girl OC who is, you know, shoehorned in because she's a girl kind of thing. So, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Right. But she's so not, though, like... She's such a... It's not like she's a protagonist alongside... Like, if I'm going to be... If I'm going to be that person... Yeah. Santa is more that character. Yeah. Like, because Afra, Afra's in Vader. It's yeah. like... And it's like, I like Santa. I'm not... Yeah, I like Santa too. I think she adds a lot to the cast. Mm-hmm. But, like, because Afra is, like, in the Vader comic, it's mm-hmm. not. it's not like she's, like... That character who's been friends with the main characters all along. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Santa is, right? Or it's yeah. like, that really feels like the Oast. Like, if I was writing mm-hmm. fan fiction, mm-hmm. I would be Santa. Mm-hmm. Where, like, if you're writing fan fiction, like, Afra feels like a natural, like, the counterpoint to Vader. Well, it's funny, because, like, I remember when I, f- or I first saw, like, some of the covers of of Afra 
in the Darth Vader comic, I was like, really? Like a, a cool, like, team up? I was like, is this going to be really... Teams up with a cool steampunk kid? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's It seemed like that sort of, like, really obvious kind of... I think I did too. When I when I first saw the covers of the Vader comics, yeah. I was like, "Oh, who's this?" Yeah, I was pretty skeptical. I was like, "Really? She teams up with Darth Vader?" Who's this nerd? Um, and I was so surprised by how well it worked. Like, I totally, I was totally wrong. I I misjudged um, how they were going to handle it from the covers. And I probably would have said the same about Santa. You're like, "Oh, sure, one of Han Solo's old." friends comes back and yeah. makes friends with everybody and then you're like actually no yeah that's pretty awesome she's pretty great um so i've been impressed overall by how they've integrated the new characters without making them feel like that character who comes in and now everybody likes them better than the main characters and i don't know <laughs> you know that like yeah i, d- I don't feel that way at all mm-hmm. about the yeah it's like the female character boogeyman from like the last 30 years or something that like mary sue boogeyman who's like new female oc who joins the cast and you know wait what like mary sue like where mary sue is like a fandom boogeyman where like never add a female oc to anything because i get what you mean because she's gonna like ruin the cast and all of a sudden she's more popular than the main characters and that's stupid and like it's just sort of you know, a pejorative anti-female OC. There's just, like, a really strong anti-OC bias in yeah. anything. Yeah, well, it's like, if if Afro was a dude, you wouldn't have this. Yeah. Um, so. But I think, you know, when they are adding it to canon, you're, gonna, you're getting a little less of that, because it's not like people are writing fanfic where you have a character who's friends with Darth Vader now. Yeah, and Afra um, also is never friends with Darth Vader, which I like. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, Afra's a really interesting character. I, I, li- I think I like her because she isn't dominating the stories. Mm-hmm. She tends to be an, a side character, mm-hmm. um, except for in her own comic, but I like her better when she's like a spice that you add to the meal rather than the main course yeah makes sense so i like it and i i like i think it makes a lot of sense for the story can you think of how many years go by between a new hope and empire strikes back you're gonna meet new people yeah you're kind of like how come these people don't know anybody like (laughs) they're just very insular yeah why do they still have the same the only like four people that they know um so having like a, a galaxy full of people like you can have people like Santa and Afra come and go in between the movies and even uh Yvonne like yeah. Leia's friend yeah, like yeah. you have all these characters who they can befriend and meet and you just don't see them in the movie but that doesn't mean they aren't still around what were you gonna say it's like it's like um it's like the Avengers right where yeah each of the each of the Avengers in their own movie, they have like their whole team of friends, mm-hmm. and then like in the 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 team up movies, the friends are never there. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like uh, so, but like you know, I like that kind of dynamic mm-hmm. where everyone has their own friend group, but then like, yeah, that's that's kind of like real life. Yeah, it's true. There's crossover friend groups in real life too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, and you have, so it's like Luke and Han and Leia are work friends, 
Yeah, and yeah. There were there also work friends with Mon Mothma and Wedge and Admiral Akbar <laughs> and like so they they but they like mostly just see them at work, right? Um, but like Santa and Afra are like not their work friends, so they don't show up at work. Yeah, they play they play trampoline dodgeball with them after work. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and like yeah, so they have a different friend group. Mm-hmm. And I think that's realistic, so I like all the OCs. Yeah. It's a good Star Wars thing. There's yeah. not that many. I wish there was more. I wish there was more, too. Yeah. Um, but people are really big on the Han Solo factor, so. Oh, the Han Solo factor. Mm-hmm. Is that something that we came up with? Well, I mean, I'm sure we didn't come up with the concept, but yeah. But the name? Yeah. Oh, we haven't talked like, about that in a while. Not since the second Aftermath book, I think. So, the Han Solo, for those of you just tuning in, the Han Solo <laughs> factor is when, like, someone won't read. It's because of Aftermath, right? Yeah. People got mad when, but Aftermath, because it didn't have any Han Solos in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, it was about original characters, and they were like, this is boring. I, I read Star Wars for the Han Solos. Yeah. But if you don't have that... And then in Life Debt, it had the Han Solo, so people liked it. Mm-hmm. And that's why you call it the Han Solo. Yeah. And actually, this is a real throwback. We talked about it mostly in our Imperial Assault episode, where we reviewed oh, right. our, our first yeah. campaign of Imperial Assault, which, uh, for those of you who don't know, is a tabletop miniatures role-playing game. Not role-playing game? I don't know. I don't know what it's supposed we to be. Play we play it as a role-playing game. game. And uh, you have a bunch of missions with the main characters, and you can get their miniatures, and you can fight with them, and we ended up switching a couple of the missions where it was supposed to be Han Solo to our original characters that like came with the game or that we made up, because we thought it was more interesting to play with a new character than just have Han Solo show up. But there's like a whole bunch of people who that's that's their thing they They want want han solo to show Mm -hmm. up and they want to like be friends with han solo and your characters go on a mission with him and the book is about him so i just felt really sick when you said that (laughs) no i had like oh no i'm not exaggerating i had like revulsion i was just like be friends with han solo well i guess that's like santa's friends with han solo yeah but santa's not like someone's oc no, well, she's like a character in a comic. Yeah, she's not like. A, a, I assume she's not someone's OC. Well, I guess she's the writer's OC, but not in the same way. I guess she's like, what if I was pretend married to Han Solo? It's <laughs> <laughs> like it's 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 a really like classic setup, <laughs> like where it is like that. Only it works. Yeah, so. that's true. That's kind of a classic fanfic setup. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. What if I was scamming Han Solo because I was pretending to be married to him and then, like, Leia was really mad and Han was really embarrassed? <laughs> but she's cool, so. Wow. It works out. I love it. And she's also, she knows Afra, so. She's like, what if she was also Afra's ex girlfriend? And you were like. So Santa's the OC of the Star Wars universe? Yeah. Of the Star Wars Marvel universe? Yeah. But it, it works out, because. Like she's well written, so it, and she doesn't. She's not the main character of the story. So, no. anyway, Scream Citadel. I like Star Wars horror crossover. I think it's a good fit. I think it's a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. I think I want a whole 
series of it. Yeah. I like why wouldn't like Star Wars is kind of already horrifying. Like just no, none of the characters are worried about the things that happen. But they're pretty horrifying. But they're pretty horrifying. You think about Boar Gullet from Rogue One. Like the like psychic vampire tentacle monster that makes Bodhi go nuts. Like that thing is Bodhi. That's like straight up Lovecraft right there. But everyone the other characters like, Oh yeah, sure, psychic tentacle beast, yeah, as you do. So it's uh Having the horror tone with uh, the Star Wars universe is kind of a cool crossover. I agree. I don't know why anybody's complaining about it. Mm-hmm. It's the best thing ever. Yeah. And if you don't think so, then you're bad. Aw. I'm just joking. Yeah. It's okay. I'm not, though. <laughs> um, you don't have to like horror. It's okay. Anyway. It's time for Clone Corner. <laughs> Is it all right? Is it at that time? Is it that that time? It's that time of <laughs> podcast again. All right, kids, drop in. Okay. Um, so this week on Clone Corner, we're going to be delving into season three of Clone Corner. We started season three, the first four episodes. The first four episodes. Um, and we're going to talk about them. So the first one is a flashback episode. Um, which we may have skipped because we'd seen it before. Yeah, we we watched it in chronological order instead of release order, which was weird. I wasn't... I don't know why people want to watch it in chronological order. No, I don't get it. Don't watch it in chronological order. Just watch it in release order. It makes more sense with the flashback episode. Yeah. um, Where we see... It was actually kind of an interesting episode where we see, like, clones being trained. Mm -hmm. We get kind of behind the scenes of how the clones are trained and... There's a little episode about teamwork. Yep. And we learn about teamwork, and we also learn that some clones come out overcooked. Yeah. As they called it, I think. So we get, like, 99, who's kind of like a... He isn't um, sort of physically capable of being a traditional soldier, so he's kept around on uh, Kamino to do... Basically, in the episode, he's kind of a janitor. Yep. Um, but he's like an inspire. He's like a magical janitor. Yeah, he's a magical janitor who's he, inspiring to the students, and he's kind of a trope. Yeah. And then in the next episode, he like helps them out heroically and when dies. Camino. Yes, when Camino gets attacked by the separatists, and then he dies tragically. Um, we can always predict which characters are going to die on Clone Wars. I mean, they flag it pretty well. They do. They're like, here's a new character you've never seen before. Uh, We're going to get to know him really well, and you're going to like him. And then we're like, "Mm, that character's going to die. And then he does. Happened twice in this batch of episodes. It did. Yeah. Uh, Then there was another um, Ryloth, Champs and Jula episode. Yeah. With a... With a new Jedi. A new Jedi who we'd never seen before. and we're, He was a Nikto. He was a Nikto. Who, who, and you pointed that out. They, those are uh, There was a lot of Niktos in Bloodline. Yeah. And apparently they appear in Jabba's Palace in Return of the Jedi. That's right. Along with Weequay. Yeah, you didn't know that's where Weequay come from. Yeah, I didn't know that there were Weequay in Jabba's Palace in Return Hondo of the Jedi. Maybe Hondo was there. Maybe Hondo was there. <laughs> That would be funny. He totally gets away because it's Hondo. Hondo. Yeah. 
Where's, yeah. where's my Hondo Marvel comic original? Oh, maybe Honda would lose something without the voice acting, though. They would have to have a really good writer, like, be I able think it to... Would still work. Yeah, they should do a Hondo uh, spinoff. That'd be great. Would be great. Yeah, these were some episodes <laughs> of Clone Wars. Jamie. Stop it! I, I'm trying to be positive here. Uh, and then there was another Senator episode, which is basically the exact same episode um, as the one from season two. Yeah. Where there was the Senate conspiracy, and that inspector guy came back, and... But we got to go to Jabba's palace, and Greedo was in it. Greedo was in it, that's right. And some um, Pantorans. And that was, uh, um, you pointed out that in the Thrawn book, uh, they talk about how if Thrawn covers up his red eyes, that he can pass as a Pantoran. And most people just think he's a Pantoran. Which are blue people. The Chiss are also blue people, but they have glowing red eyes. That's how you can tell the difference. Yeah. And I think the Pantoran have, like, different hair colors. Chiss have, like, blue-black hair. Yeah, I think so. So. They all had pseudo-Australian accents. It was pretty cute, actually. Yeah, their accents were pretty Pretty cute accents. Um, And, uh, yeah, it was a Trade Federation Senate negotiations. Oh, and then there was another episode... With Jar Jar and Bail Organa and, and some more Senate negotiations, some more treaty negotiations. So did we watch... Are we up to episode... Was that episode five then? We're going to start episode five. Because there was the one with the clones and there was the other one with the clones. Right. And then there was oh, yeah. the Nikto one and then there was the, oh, the, the Senate one. And the, Oh yeah, we did watch five episodes. And then there was the episodes. Jar Jar one. Yeah. Yeah. We well, watched four. We already right. seen that first one. Right. Yeah. So this is actually five episodes. Wow. Covering. And they were all, there was the two part with the clones kind of, but they were all sort of standalone episodes. They were all really, yeah, pretty standalone. And the next one is going to be about another Mandalore episode. It has Satine in it. Yeah. That's cool. Get Do you find that. it challenging not to ship Ahsoka with all of her girlfriends? <laughs> Wait, who was, oh, with the uh, Rio Chuchi. Or Chuchi. Yeah. Chuchi did seem kind of younger than, like, some of the other... She seemed like Ahsoka's age. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's true. Definitely Barris. Definitely Barris. I get why people ship them. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cute. Yeah, I wish I didn't know that spoiler. Um, I know, that makes it more delicious. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, true. In a way, right? Yeah. Yeah, Clone Wars. So, something we were talking about Clone Wars last night... Um, was the sort of propaganda angle. You were saying, I want you to talk about this. Oh, okay. Sometimes when I'm watching Clone Wars, I feel it's propaganda for the U.S. Army. (laughs) Yeah. Like, there's so many episodes that are about, like, military things. Mm -hmm. And they kind of glorify this idea of battle Mm -hmm. and weapons and it's sort of regiments bro- brotherhood and, of soldiers yeah it just feels like really and like there's certain episodes where it's just about executing a certain operation over the ridge and then yeah. <laughs> clearing <laughs> the so accurate <laughs> clearing the blockade and yep skirmishing yeah and it's just like that wasn't a story that was like a battle exercise mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And, like, not every episode is like this, but there's certain episodes which feel like an ad for the military. Yeah. And not, like, the Star Wars, not (laughs) in-universe propaganda, but, like, propaganda for real life. Yeah. I, it's funny, like, as soon as you said that, um, when we were watching it, I was also thinking about, um, I, I read this article by the writer of the Screaming Citadel number two and he was talking when he watched Clone Wars with his kid and he was saying that he thought it was kind of weird because he was like it feels like I'm watching the before like it's it's clones before they become stormtroopers like it's right at the end of the Republic the beginning of the Empire and he was like now I'm being asked to be sympathetic to these people and that's weird that was weird for him and i don't think that's weird because i like that i like that we can be sympathetic to the individual soldiers but there is definitely a level and we've we've sort of mentioned that before there's a level of the republic is awful yeah and the narrative doesn't acknowledge that no and the narrative is just like, so many episodes of just, yeah, war episodes. And you're like, oh, it's another Clone Boys war episode where they just have a mission and then there's a Jedi general there and they execute the operation, kill a lot of droids um, who are conveniently not people. It's very convenient. It's convenient that um, the clones aren't people either. Imagine that. It makes it really easy to have huge battle operations where we kill them and don't feel bad about it. I didn't mean to say that. Clones are people. But, like, sometimes they don't treat them like people in the narrative is what I mean. Yeah. And they just, they're just dispo- they treated as disposable, too. Yeah. Like, the Jedi don't get sad when the clones die. No. And the... Maybe the clones do. Yeah, they probably do a little bit. Nobody gets sad when the droids die because they're just droids. So the narrative is like, you're allowed to remove that step and just focus on like fighting, fighting and like operations and maneuvers and tactics. And yeah, it's, it's not my genre, right? Like I don't, I've never been into that kind of military. Yeah. You got to wonder like, what was the point of making this TV show? Mm -hmm. Like... Did they just see, they're like, well, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. why was this the era they picked to make a Star Wars show about? Maybe because yeah. there's so much time that they could fill in. Yeah. I mean, if you think about when it was made, too, it was like, after the two movie trilogies were over, they were writing a whole bunch of books, but basically the assumption was that there would never be any more Star Wars movies. Yeah. Yeah. So they were just going on and they had this whole era, I guess, where they established the beginning and the end. We know how the Clone Wars start. We know how the Clone Wars end. So we can just fill in that gap without stepping on anyone's toes, I guess. I guess so. I heard rumors that Thrawn was originally planned to be in Clone Wars. Oh. There's like there's like concept art out there. That's cool. Yeah. And now we've established in canon that Thrawn was not a member of the Empire during the Clone Wars. He shows up later. Mm-hmm. Well, a member of the Republic, that is. He uh, joins the Empire when it's the Empire. Yeah. Yeah, Clone Wars. So it's about the Clone Wars. It's about clones and wars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, there it does have some really interesting lore. Yeah. 
and I like it for that reason. Like, I still want to finish it. Mm-hmm. We're almost halfway. That's true. That's true. But it's just like, it's sometimes it's a bit of a slog getting through it. Yeah. Not our genre. I guess. I don't know. I'd be interested to, like, listen to someone who does enjoy it for the war parts. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know if I would be interested in hearing that. I kind of want to watch the Gendy Tartakovsky one again, too. Yeah, we because should. I remember really enjoying it. Yeah, and my memory of that show was that it was mostly Obi-Wan and Anakin doing stuff. Like, there was there was a, lunch, a bunch of clone characters, but it was not... But clones weren't characters, really, in that show. Yeah, there was, like, Cody was in it, I think. Yeah, but the rest of the clones weren't, like, characters like they are in the Clone Wars. Yeah, and it wasn't about the war. I remember about- there's a lot of like standalone episodes that are just about one that are like more like Samurai Jack episodes, mm-hmm. which are just about one Jedi and it's like a action scene because mm-hmm. they're really short, I think. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it was uh, Clone Wars. Clone Wars. And I, I feel like they do. Um, they pivoted away from that a bit in Rebels. Like there are some. Like a lot. Yeah. They're. It's not a organized war like it is in clone wars it's about so. rebels it's not about clone wars <laughs> yes well it is yeah yeah exactly so there's less like formal tactic military stuff they still go on missions but the story is usually about the characters mm-hmm. and their relationships it's true that's usually what it's about yeah uh do you want to talk about the book yeah book corner you have a lot of notes for book corner i do but a lot of my notes are just like what happened so i remembered okay well let's put a spoiler alert for um page 100 to 200 of beth ravis's rebel rising and then you can tell the audience what happened in the book that we read okay spoiler alert until the end of the podcast yes for those of you who don't want to know spoilers I would say read this book because it's actually pretty good. Yeah, totally. Um, We're recommending it already. Definitely recommend it, even halfway through. Yes. Um, Okay, so what happens in this part of um, whatever this book is called? Rebel Rising. Rebel Rising. Um, Jin goes to the Sakula Festival. Mm-hmm. Sakula Blossom Festival, mm-hmm. which is like Space Japan. Yep. Um, and there's like a. She goes there, and there's a festival, and Saw is there undercover to mm-hmm. assassinate an imperial governor. Yep. But then he actually just kills everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. And Jin's pretty scarred by that. Yep. And then on that mission, they learn that there's a mole in their operation. Mm hmm. Um, and then they, we find out later that it's whatever his name is. Reese. Well, there's no, a couple not. of them. Yeah, the first mole is someone else. But then it's implied that that first one... Um, didn't I write it down? Anyway, there's a first one. Mm. And the first mole, it's implied that is not really a mole, but it's just someone who knows Jin's identity. Yes. Which and, I thought was fucked up. And Saw has him killed. Just because he has figured out who Jen is, mm-hmm. which I thought was rough. Mm-hmm. So Reese, okay, I'll give the rest of the okay. synopsis. Yeah. Okay. So then, um, I think they, yeah, the only other thing they do in this part is they go to 
um, they go on a second mission to like a mining colony, of course, which Reese is called Reese yep. is kind of leading. And then turns out Reese is a traitor. Reese is a traitor. What a surprise. And he was a jerk. Them. And I thought I thought Reese was going to be love interest because he was the only one of Saw's rebels with a last name. Oh, yeah. And there was kind of like a dynamic that there. You know? I think there is a love interest, but he hasn't been introduced yet. He's the Weird. second half of the book. Weird. Anyway, that's, I don't know. Reese just seems like kind of a love interest name. Yeah, but he was the traitor. He was the traitor, though. Yeah. yeah. Um. So there's actually a few things I want to talk about in mm-hmm. this this book. Okay, same. Do you wanna Do you wanna start with anything um, particular? Oh, there was a lot. Well, wait. There's one more like major thing that happens in this chunk. Saw abandons Jin. Oh yes. This is the. That's how we end off. Yeah, this is the sort of chunk of the book where, um, we see Saw. Uh, realizing how many people are figuring out who Jin is and it's apparently a really big deal and he tells her to stay behind he'll pick her up later yeah. and he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't and she knows he ha- as soon as he leaves she realizes he has no intention of coming back for her and that he's left her it's pretty, there to fend for herself pretty sad yeah because it's not like he drops her off in a city and is like okay wait it's like on a planet that's being bombed um <laughs> that uh she has no way off of, so she has to figure out how to get off and figure out where to go from here because she's has nowhere else to go. Pretty much. Doesn't know anybody. Um, so I want to talk about some of the interesting things. So we, one of the things I like about the Inasagi stuff mm-hmm. is that uh, so Inasagi is the planet where they go for the festival. It's a Kula Blossom Festival. It's a Kula Blossom Festival. That was a cool. Uh, there was a lot of interesting stuff. There in. was a lot of interesting stuff. I yeah. like. I like that um, they all get dressed up. Mm-hmm. And there was a, there was a really interesting passage where like Jin, I I screen capped it. It's on my phone though. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it matters. You might remember it, where she thinks of herself as not looking like a girl, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Um, like. And but she still enjoys the like she enjoys the part where she like she's clearly got a lot of internalized like toxic masculinity from from, yeah. from Saw and like most of Saw's rowdy boys are rowdy boys they are they're mostly rowdy boys yeah yeah and like she there's a little bit in that passage where she says that um, she'd rather show off her biceps than her breasts mm-hmm. but she gets this fancy robe as part of going undercover and it's like really pretty and she's and she like enjoys hey, it. i really like this yeah. this is really cool she's about 16 at this point yeah she is um and like the actually there was a really there was an interesting passage um earlier in the book i can't remember which section it was where um saw has like one female friend uh yes. idrissa yeah I and that passage, um, yeah. jen really likes her um yep she's like she's in this one a bit too she's, yeah she's in yeah and there's this one scene where it's just like a one line where Idrissa goes to like hang out with Jin and like talk to her about hygiene, and it's you're like you know what you're talking. You know about. What you're ty- It's like it's- Saw's like, oh my god, I don't know anything about this gr- girl stuff. Like, help me, please. I need you to talk to her about girl stuff. Um, yeah, and because uh, like this is a um, a character who starts off from about eight and is about sixteen now. Like she's 
a teenager now and saw is um even though he he calls her his her dad um and calls her his daughter um partly to obscure her identity but partly because he does he actually thinks so um their relationship is also pretty distant for a family relationship it like is, yeah. he teaches her about killing people and you get a little bit of warmth every once in a while mm-hmm. but the overall impression is yeah yeah it's like as warm as saw is currently capable of being yeah but that's it's not very warm like i think saw is like Jin is really good for saw mm-hmm. but saw is not really good for Jin. Yeah, yeah totally um and so it was i i noticed that passage too and she's been and and i think like so we we have that one part in the first section that we read where Saw seems vaguely concerned that one of his um, compatriots is a creeper. Yeah. And uh, it sort of makes you wonder, and, like, at one point he gives her this big scarf to, like, cover her kyber crystal necklace so that nobody sees that she's got one. And she wears it, like, all the time. And um, it made me wonder, like just what you were talking about with um, her feeling like she never really felt like she ha- had very little awareness that she was a girl mm-hmm. except when she got these pretty clothes and then yeah liked liked it um, that you can sort of picture Saw's overprotection of her being in wanting to downplay that she was a girl if he thinks that like he's got this group of people some of whom have behaved questionably towards her right so maybe it's like a defense mechanism yeah and he's like well we're not gonna like buy you dresses and stuff because that would make it worse you know i don't yeah, know i guess so. it's a weird it's a weird situation yeah it's whole a thing situation. is a weird situation yeah it hasn't is. exactly been a good childhood for her no there's another weird scene where in uh, at the Sakula Blossom Festival, I don't know if you noticed where it was like I feel like it was an attempt at diversity, but I feel like it failed pretty mm. pretty badly. Mm. Um, it was the scene where Jin. It was a he. Um, the author did kind of a pull the wind dig here. Oh, I yeah yeah I thought of you when I, right? I was like oh it's a wind dig where it was like um, so there's these there's these two people who are. Uh, at the party, and they're they're a couple, is what mm-hmm. the uh, the audience tell or the narrator tells us. And one is dressed like a man, one is dressed like a woman, mm-hmm. like in there because there's two traditional types of yeah. robes, right? There's robes for Saul's wearing like a kind of a suit, and mm-hmm. Jin's wearing like robes. Mm-hmm. And this couple is wearing one of each, and Jin assumes one is a man and one is a woman. Mm-hmm. And then, like when one of them speaks, she has like a feminine voice, mm-hmm. and and Jin's like, oh. I and she's like, oh, and now I know it's a woman beca- right. because if someone has a feminine voice, then it means they're a woman. Mm. And I was like, there's a couple, there's a couple layers. There's like some weird, gross trans stuff in there, where like just because someone's voice sounds a certain way doesn't mean you should assume their gender. But I mean, what the author was trying to do was be like, oh, there's same-sex couples in Star Wars. Yeah. And, like, one of them's dressed like a man, one of them's dressed like a woman because they're lesbians. Yeah. And that's what all lesbians are like. <sighs> Sorry. Yeah, it's... But, yeah. And it's, so it's like, 
I feel like she really struck out on all levels. Mm-hmm. She was trying to incorporate some diversity by having a same-sex couple, but yeah. like used so many weird tropes and had so many strange assumptions that it was came off as kind of offensive, clumsy and at clumsy at best, yeah, and offensive at worst. And I shouldn't we shouldn't call that a Wendig because I feel like. I feel like Chuck Wendig does so well in his second two books. Yes. That it makes yeah. up for his failures in the... Like, he really learns from his failures in the first mm-hmm. book. Um, anyway, I thought that was kind of funny and clumsy. But. Yeah, it's so it's it's complicated, too, because she was also clearly trying to, like... Um, like, because you, you've got, like, lots of levels where um, just because you're a woman, you don't have to wear a dress... Yes, you can also yeah. wear clothes that people would traditionally think of as male clothes. You can do that and still be a woman. You can do that and not be a woman. Like, it, it's that doesn't mean anything specifically. Yeah. So, like, drawing attention um, to it in this way comes off as kind of yeah, like it, weird because it's like, it's like we're past that mm-hmm. point where you don't need to make a big deal of... Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes I wonder, like, I think the tough thing is reading things like that is you wonder, are we past that point? We're past that point. Are we, the audience of book readers, past that point? And like... Like like where it's... Like... I guess... Like, it's, it's, it's like, I think, um, I'm not, I don't want to defend it, that's... I'm I'm just asking I'm it's like a rhetorical question where we've talked about this a lot where um for example like our default sphere it's not the default western Okay okay so yes definitely like I think it's good to have this in the book but don't don't have it be a surprise Mhm because what that implies is that Jin Jin's universe can has so far consisted of a really strong binary which maybe it yeah. has but if Jin's been all over the universe, why why is this like binary her default assumption? Yeah, and I I think that that's sort of related to something else. Jin has gone to like two planets in the last eight years, and like maybe that, saw yeah. saw keeps her on his. I can't remember Rhea is the name of. I think so. The place that she stays, but the thing is, like Jin also would like we we've like when she's talking Jin's kind of got a bit of a I'm not like other girls thing where she's talking about wanting to show off her biceps instead she feels like she dresses like a boy or she doesn't dress like a girl just because she dresses normal yeah like with pants yeah and a shirt and a scarf and and that makes her feel like that she's dressing like a boy mm-hmm. yeah and so that kind of establishment of her binary way of thinking where she's like i'm dressed masculinely or not not femininely yeah um which is also uh i feel like just a common misconception just like in general where uh default clothes of like practical loose pants shirt combo that's not dressing femininely because uh that's a specific thing you know, so you can not feel like a girl if you're dressed like that. So um, there's like more evidence to suggest that kind of assumption for her that is 
it's a whole other thing. Yeah, it's messy because of the, because of where she's raised in the book. You can kind of justify her perspective, but I still think it's a weird perspective for the author to take. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, I feel like I feel like I can see what she was attempting to do there. Um, like maybe you could have deflected it by being like Jin, being like, "Oh, I wouldn't mind wearing one of those suits." Also, then mm-hmm. it then it mm-hmm. could have been more about. Um, then it could have drawn less attention to itself mm-hmm. rather than her being kind of like surprised that it's like two women are together. Yeah. And like, one of them is dressed like in a traditionally masculine way. Yeah. Like why does it always have to be like you're, whoa, it's a woman or whoa, it's a man. Like what, like why does it always have to be like that? It doesn't. And not every book does have that. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like a lot of the books, like um, we don't have any of this weird, bullshit and claudia gray or chrissy golden's books Mm -hmm. for example but so far this is the only example of this in this book Mm -hmm. so it's actually a pretty low count for compared to some of the stuff we've been reading Mm -hmm. at least there are girls in this book too there's a few um some of them anyway i would say also like the racial diversity is really good in this book Mm -hmm. um when we do have humans i feel like a larger amount of them are like people of color mm-hmm. there's like a, a huge mix especially the women mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe i'm imagining that i feel like too one of the things that i like is that um when she introduces human characters it's a combination of like if she's going to talk about what a human character looks like she's also gonna like do you ever find sometimes so you've got you've got like a bunch of characters and only the characters who aren't assumed to be white yeah, I was are, dis- are described. <laughs> yes. Because then you're like, oh, I see this person's not white. Because yeah, the default you is... to describe their skin if they're not white. But she also describes their skin if they are white. Yeah, like, I everybody that. gets a description, hair color, yeah. skin color, whatever. I like that. So that there's, like, a balance. So you're like, okay, this person has pale skin and blonde hair. This person has mm-hmm. dark skin and black hair or whatever the combination is. Um so that it's like a mix. You don't assume that the characters are look white a unless true and otherwise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is what um, unfortunately is a thing that the audience also tends to do. Right. Um, like how people were legitimately angry that Rue from Hunger Games was black, which is like really gross. But that was Wait. actually a thing that happened. Remember Rue from Hunger Games, the little girl who yes, Katniss teams yeah. up with when she was cast. In the movie, people were legitimately angry because they imagined she was white, even though there oh, was no evidence to like no suggest s- that. They didn't specify in the book. Yeah. So, um, you know, people get legitimate. Ugh. I don't even want to talk about ugh. that. It's so gross. But anyway, um, it is a diverse book. I also like just a lot of the characters have interesting looks to them. Like Idrissa has like that kind of cool glittery makeup or mm-hmm. like there's, I don't know, she like. I like how the author describes people. Yeah. Like, she's she clearly takes joy in, like, describing some of the people and places. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I like how she described um, the... What's the... Or, wait, is Idrissa the planet? No, no Idrissa is No, the... Inusagi. Inus- oh, Inusagi. Inusagi's the planet. Yeah. And I like how she describes the planet um, and all the, like, little pools. Mm-hmm. And, like, each pool... Each pool is like a neighborhood, and each pool is ruled by a noble house. Like, mm-hmm. um, I was looking up some of these planets as I was going to see if they were from anything, and mm-hmm. most of them aren't. Cool. 
Although, did you notice that they mentioned, um, uh, what's it called? Sienna and Thane's planet? Yeah, Jellican. Yeah, they, when they were talking about the planets being heavily mined right now. Yeah. One of them was Jellican. It was cool. Yeah, so she's clearly read all the other books. Yeah, that's one of the things I appreciate. Or about. or someone from the story group went in and fixed it all. Like, But it's it feels to me like the author... I think so. I'm, I'm just, sure she has. She just read, read the books and yeah. understood the context for everything. Yeah. Um, one of the speaking of describing the other characters, there's the sequence that I really liked, which was they go undercover to um, like an imperial planet, the one that Jin gets abandoned on, uh, as a propaganda hollow crew, and they talk to so they meet up with like the sort of hollow net spokesperson, imperial officer, lieutenant commander, I don't know, um, Sanjet. Sand- oh yeah, Sanjax or Sanja- Sanjax, Sanjax or something. Sanjax. Anyway, and so he's the like spokesperson. So they picked him because he's handsome. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. So he was one for my like imperial officer cutie you watch because he was he's, definitely like, get that impression. Yeah, canon cute. And Jin has so he gives her so many problems that she can't even talk. She's like, mm, somebody else has better take this because I yikes. <laughs> She's having a lot of sixteen-year-old girl problems about this. Um, yeah, it was pretty. Funny. This handsome boy, and it was it was pretty cute. Um, she was like, hmm, his propaganda about the empire. It's so believable. He's so trustworthy. His smile's so white. Like his teeth are so shiny. His hair is so neat. <laughs> Like, uh, I just thought that was really cute. Yeah, it was pretty funny. That's the thing about YA that... Um, I appreciate. That I yeah. really appreciate. Like YA is fun. YA is fun. And um, it... Like, we can have feelings about other people in ways that you just don't see in most of the, like, ostensibly sort of adult books or whatever. And, like, yeah. you know... I, I really like the the tone that the YA books take about that sort of thing. You know what I was surprised by? There what? was that little subplot with the Wraiths. Mm. Mm-hmm. Which is clearly just a Star Wars spelling for Wraiths. Mm-hmm. Um, or there, there's these, like, alien species that are kind of, like, fish-like mm-hmm. on Inasagi, and they get rejected from the festival. Mm-hmm. And, like, it never comes up later. Nope. It's just uh, the empire's. The empire's awful and doesn't yep. doesn't like non-humans. But it didn't. I, yeah, I guess that was the only thing it was there for. I don't. I was just yeah. expecting it to come back later in some way. I guess it still could, but I don't think it will. I don't think it will. No, because we left that planet. We did leave that planet after uh, all of the characters died. Yep, and that was kind of an interesting. Um, sorry, we're going kind of over time today. Um, that was kind of an interesting. Uh, sort of mm, tie-in with the rest of the world. Like, so Saw's partisans um, murder a whole room full of, like, the chiefess of Inasagi and the imperial governor and all of the, like, fancy important people who are in the room with them. And so, of course, that incident is all over the holonet as, like, evidence of these, like, insurgent attacks on civilians and stuff. And you're like, yeah, that's a legit thing that happened. They killed a bunch of civilians at a party, at a like important cultural festival. So it's kind of setting the tone for um, sort of Saw's 
break with the standard rebellion. Like he's kind of extreme. Yeah. And uh, the rest of the rebellion like doesn't want to bomb civilians, but no. he's like, mm, for fuck, the greater good. Fuck them. Fuck them. Yep. Got to break some eggs to make an omelet. Yep. A rebel omelet. <laughs> so that's what he wants. He's angry. Uh, loves eggs. Yeah. I guess that's the end we'll see of Saw. I guess that's all we'll see of Saw in this book. Presumably. Yeah. You never know. But he's, uh, he gets pretty messed up by the time he leaves Jin. He's like... He's pretty fucked. Yeah, he's pretty, uh, he's paranoid and he's killing his own people if he suspects. You get the, yeah, you get the, you get the impression that he's just killing people if he suspects they know who Jin is mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. So... Anyway. Sort of makes a big deal out of who Jin is. Yeah. It's cool. But anyway. What will happen to her next? I don't know. I'm excited to see. Mm-hmm. Um, are you excited to read Guardians of the Wills after this? Yes, I, I am. Too. It's cool. All right. So you want to wrap up? Yeah. Okay. It cool. was a good week. Do you want to... Wait. What are you going to talk about next week? Uh, more more books, more Clone Wars. Yeah. Whatever else happens. Mm-hmm. More news. More news. Okay. All right. Okay. Now it was a good week. <laughs> now nobody dies. <laughs> Bye. If you'd like to find more stuff about Star Wars from me and Jamie, you can check out our website at imperialhearts.com or follow us on Twitter at imperial underscore hearts. If you'd like to send us comments, questions, or anything else, you can email us at imperialheartspodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, you can leave us a review or rating on iTunes, or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash imperialhearts. The music used in this podcast is clips from the song Barbarian by Pierre Lowe. This podcast is not endorsed by the Walt Disney Company or Lucasfilm Limited, is intended for entertainment purposes only, and all Star Wars people, names, places, and anything else is copyright of Disney and their respective copyright and trademark holders. The Ship of the Week is Ahsoka Tano and Rio Chuchi. Think about it. <laughs>